Folks, let me give you some friendly advice. Do not be the creative who spends thousands and thousands of your hard-earned dollars on equipment each year without spending one penny on your marketing. If there's ever been a time to rise above the noise and do something just a little bit different to impress your leads and wow your clients, I would say now's that time. And my favorite way to do that is by leveraging print promotion using the photography that I am the most proud of. So our amazing friends at Bay Photo Lab have almost every product that you can think of, from magazines to photo books to promo cards that you can leave behind. And listen, if you just want something to dazzle your office or living space at home with, well, they have options for that too. You can get prints and wall displays from basically every style, from canvas to metal to acrylic. And the best part is you can get 25% off your first time order just by going to bayphoto.com, signing up today. They ship everywhere in the world, folks, and all their products look incredible. So do yourself a favor, start leaving an impact, whether it's for your personal memories at home or for your professional marketing at work. Bay Photo Lab, designed by photographers for photographers. You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a podcast that inspires photographers and visual artists who live their best creative lives. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host and a full-time photographer here to give you some tools so you can build your life in creative self-employment. Beyond that, I get to sit down with an amazing community of creative professionals to talk about process, business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So let's get to it. Entrepreneur Season 2, kicking off next. All right. What is up, everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is for you. Welcome to the show. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host, and we are diving into the 71st episode of this show. And for this specific episode, I'm going to talk about my first reactions to mirrorless cameras. Now, I get it. I'm probably pretty late to this party. Mirrorless cameras are not some new phase of technology just coming out. But um, I personally have not owned or operated any mirrorless cameras until about six months ago. So I thought, let me give you my first impressions on what I like, what I don't, and ultimately, you know, why I made this move in the first place, because I don't really want to assume that all of you have just made this transition years ago, and I'm the last person on earth to grab a mirrorless body. I know several professionals who are still using DSLR bodies and have no urgency to move on anytime soon. So if you are interested in making this move or not, either way, um, at the least, maybe this information will help you confirm what you already have assumed for years, or maybe it challenges you to see the other side. And first of all, I do not consider myself to be any type of tech nerd or gearhead. Uh, I would venture to guess, actually, that I probably don't even take full advantage of the maximum potential of any of my cameras, my lenses, computers, software, anything like that, because quite honestly, I just do not read those damn product manuals. I have a uh, very simple mind, folks. I'm not, I'm not the brightest bulb in the toolbox. So with that being said, I'm not going to break down the camera science for you. You can find many alternative resources to do that for you. I'm just going to give you my real-world working feedback on the jobs that I've used these cameras for and how they've held up. So let me give you an insight into what I'm actually using. I'm currently using two Sony a7III's. Now, understandably, it's 2022, and this is a 2018 camera. So I am not claiming that I'm using the most up-to-date mirrorless tech. But because I purchased models that are no longer current, I was actually able to test the waters rather conservatively and transition into mirrorless shooting at a more affordable price. I got two bodies for the price of one. And you may prefer to buy the best of the best, and that's totally fine too. I don't discriminate there. But for my own purchases, I almost never buy new. So in the six months that I've had 
these bodies. I've tested them on a number of jobs and personal trips. Not enough to be an expert on any of them, but enough reps to know what jumps out to me in practice. So here we go. I'm going to give you a few things that I like about this camera and a few things that I don't like about this camera. Let's start off with what I like. Uh, the first thing I would say is the weight on these cameras is fantastic. I almost always shoot assignments with two bodies on me, and having two pro-sized DSLRs hanging off each shoulder for long days can really add up. So it does take its toll. It's not just on your shoulders and your back, which is the most obvious part, but it's also on your wrists or could potentially be. I, I used to get a lot of swelling and pain in my wrists after I would shoot for a long day. Like if I'm shooting a wedding, I might be 10, 12 hours or whatever it might be on a day. And when I would pull up my DSLR and my 24 to 70, my 7200, maybe a 300 or anything like that to your eye a couple, I don't know, a thousand times a day, it's going to give you a little bit of issues with your, your hands, your wrists or anything like that. So to give you some context here, a Nikon D5 weighs just under 50 ounces, which is about uh, three pounds or just a little over three pounds. That's just the body. The Sony a7 III, which is the mirrorless camera that I now own, is 23 ounces or just under one and a half pounds. So effectively half the weight of my traditional kit on both arms. So I looked up Nikons, I looked up Canons, and generally they're all under two pounds, about one and a half to two pounds, somewhere in that range for mirrorless body. So pretty typically you are saving a lot of weight, not just for your working conditions like on assignment, but also consider your travel, okay? So when I do a job out of state, oftentimes I will have to pack a full kit of cameras, lenses, batteries, a laptop, all of that in a backpack so I can do those jobs out of state. And imagine walking through the airports to the hotels, to the venues and back uh, with just 12 pounds of gear on your back instead of, let's say, 25 pounds. You can imagine how good that feels by comparison. All right. The second thing that jumps out to me, and forgive me, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this one than the others, um, is just how much better the autofocus experience has been compared to a, a DSLR. And it really doesn't take a seasoned photographer to understand the gravity of how valuable good autofocus can be on any given assignment. Like depending on the job that you do, nailing focus can sometimes feel like it's a physical skill set unto itself. You know, if you try photographing sports or wildlife with unpredictable fast action, nailing a shot can feel like that much more of an achievement with a DSLR because you know that you're not going to hit on all of your attempts. And for my testing, autofocus has been such an easier uh, accessibility on the mirrorless cameras for a number of reasons. One, you have focusing points that can cover pretty much the majority of the screen, like 90% of it, whereas a DSLR might cover, I don't know, like call it 50%, right? You know, you have those nine point or 51 point autofocus spots. And I have no idea if that math is right, but it, it usually condensed to the middle of the frame and not all the way out to the edges. Okay. So you have more focusing spots in your on your sensor. The second reason is the eye focusing on the mirrorless cameras is really, really impressive. Now, if you don't photograph people and you photograph food or product or landscapes or anything like abstract work, then maybe this feature doesn't really move the needle for you. But for me, having added help that nails eye focus at a reasonably accurate rate is honestly worth more than the amount that I actually paid for these cameras. So think about all the situations where you just missed a shot. Maybe the action went too fast. Maybe the scene was too dark and your lens was just kind of constantly hunting. Uh, maybe you were using a very shallow aperture and just missed the focus by an inch. 
And that actually brings me to another benefit, which is because the autofocus has been so good for me, at least, it I think it maximizes the utility and the value of super fast prime lenses. Okay, so I mentioned this the other week when I was talking about primes versus zooms and wedding photographers and all that. Um, if you are shooting on a DSLR and you are using a sub two aperture lens, like a one two or one four or one eight, your percentages of nailing spot on focus can be very, very low, particularly if the subject is moving or it's unpredictable or if the light in the scene is not controlled. You know, you might hit 10% of your, your shots. Me, I hit 30% of the shots when shooting wide open, which let's be honest, makes that purchase rather unjustified, doesn't it? Like if you spend $2,000 on a lens to shoot at f1.2, that's the purpose of that lens, and it's yielding a 30% success rate, maybe even a 50% success rate if you think you're really that good, it's kind of hard not to have some buyer's remorse there, right? And like I said, maybe you're really good. Maybe you're hitting like 60% of your shots. It's still not going to be as consistent, in my opinion, as it will be using a mirrorless camera. And again, I haven't done controlled testing here. I'm just speaking from my own experience, having shot for years on DSLRs with wide open apertures, and now currently with the mirrorless. And I've shot the 1.4s, I've shot the 1.8 on these bodies on a number of assignments, and there is a noticeable difference in my success rate. So I don't know what that math is, but it's noticeable to me. So the benefit is not only that you can nail focus on your intended shot, but it also increases the value of these prime lenses. If you can if you can nail your focus on 75% of your wide open shots, you're breaking that lens out way more often than you were before. And it's no longer that once in a blue moon novelty lens. It's something that you go to frequently and more often. All right, the next feature that I really love about these cameras is this silent shooting aspect. And because there is no mirror flipping up every shot and flipping down, you can shoot on true silent mode, which there are plenty of applications for. Think about you know, if you're shooting a ceremony in a church and you want to be respectful, think about shooting a golf tournament and you're right by the tee box and you don't want to disrupt somebody in the middle of their backswing. Think about shooting press conferences where you don't want to be hammering down on your shutter like everybody else used to. Think about any photojournalistic or street photography situation there where you don't really want to alert the people that you're photographing of your presence. You want to be that fly on the wall. That can really help you out there. So there are a lot of uses for a silent shooting. And I was actually just hired to photograph a film crew doing a commercial in a studio. And they wanted behind-the-scenes images for their production company. But the camera had to be silent, which luckily I had the, the tools to do. And so immediately I fell in love with this aspect, the ability to shoot dead silent mode. Okay, so what do I not love about the move to mirrorless? Well, let's stay on the silent mode for a second, because as good as that feature is, it is not flawlessly executed. In fact, if you shoot in continuous burst during silent, you can have a lot of warping or bending in your subjects in some of the frames. It really looks odd. And even if you shoot single frames, but do one right after the other, it can have the same effect. And additionally, there's another effect called digital banding to be aware of. And depending on the frequency of the artificial light available to you, you may experience these horizontal bars running across your frame. And there's absolutely no post-production fix for it. So if you shoot a dance reception at a wedding on silent mode, and the lights are kind of flickering off and on at a different frequency, and you get back to your computer and you see banding on all your images, guess what? You have no images to deliver. Simple as that. Like Those are gone. So the fix is you have to take silent mode off or significantly slow down your shutter speed, which may or may not be 
possible at the time. You know, you don't want to always be shooting moving subjects at one thirtieth of a second or one sixtieth of a second because it's not fast enough to freeze action, but it's not slow enough to really do that panning motion. Now, maybe the newer models, maybe the higher end models, I should say as well, have found a way to reduce that glitch, to reduce these issues on silent mode. Like I mentioned, I am using a four-year-old model. So I expect greater advancements the more money you spend and the more recent tech that you buy. Okay, so the next issue that I have with mirrorless cameras is simply the ergonomics of it. And I talked about loving the decreasing weight of the mirrorless camera, but I am not crazy about the decreasing size of it. Okay, so I am coming from DSLR bodies for the last 10 years or so. So ergonomically, that always fit my hand really well. It always felt really natural. On the mirrorless body that I have, because the flange distance is so much shorter, which just means that the lens is closer to the body, that's a good thing for sharpness, but it results in my shooting hand or the fingers of my shooting hand sort of getting caught between the lens and the body. And so it's very uncomfortable. It can be uh, somewhat irritating. And uh, that has been an adjustment period to get used to that size of the camera. Additionally, the size of the body with a long lens throws the balance off a little bit. So you really do have to shoot with an external battery grip or a grip extension. And even then, at that point, the weight that we've sacrificed sort of makes the body seem less solid and robust anyways. So it's hard to have everything. I get it. Pro size DSLRs are the kind of perfect size, but not the perfect weight. And this is just the inverse of that. Mirrorless cameras are the perfect weight, but not necessarily the perfect size for me. So it's a very small qualm, but it's something that I've taken note of, and it's not something that I'm very crazy about. All right, so the next issue that I have is when you change lenses on your mirrorless camera, your sensor is naturally exposed to the elements as opposed to a DSLR would be. So that's not so much an issue with this specific brand, this specific model, or anything like that. It's more just the nature of mirrorless cameras, and maybe they'll fix that down the road and create some sort of buffer that allows you to swap out lenses without introducing so much dust and so many different elements. But you know, in the meantime, just be more cautious when making your lens changes. So find areas that maybe are not so overly dusty, bring your cameras in for clean and checks just a little bit more often, you know, just execute better maintenance overall. All right, so the last thing that I'm going to say is the menu system truly is an eyesore. It's just way too many features and menu settings to go through. And even though it is intuitive, it's just way too long. So you really have to customize your own menu to get quicker access to your typical settings. And that might be specific to this Sony a7 III and not to other brands. I don't know. I would just say overall, the menu system is annoying. It does not prevent me from doing my job, thankfully, but it does take longer to learn what's going on and how to get to certain aspects of your menu. So I presume I'd have no adjustment period if I went with, let's say, a Nikon Z6, having been a Nikon shooter for so many years. So take that with a grain of salt. Any switch in brands might just mean that you have a learning curve. Okay, so those are some of the pros and cons that have jumped out to me in a short period of time. Very unscientific, I will have to admit that. But the overall experience, I will say, has been really, really positive. I'll say that. So I've shot for magazine clients with this. I've shot events with it. I've shot a wedding with it. I've spent three weeks backpacking Europe with it. And there's just a lot to like, you know, from the image quality to the cost to the weight to the autofocus and the video features, which I didn't even mention that, but that's another aspect that I do like. Uh, so my conclusion is that the positives really do outweigh the negatives. And I would fathom that the negatives in short order will eventually be minimized with each progressive model. So it's not a PSA to go out and buy a new kit for yourself, okay? Uh, I think I've done enough episodes on this show preaching the importance of financial discipline with gear. But when the time is right for you to make the move, I think there's going to be a lot of good options at your disposal. So 
Don't worry about that. You're going to have a lot of good stuff to choose from. And keep in mind, I am still using my DSLRs. I kind of forgot to mention that. But um, I use those on the jobs that I have a higher possibility for damage and adverse weather. Just because, you know, I've had them for years. They've been beat to hell. And they're more rugged than these mirrorless bodies. So that's one pro of the DSLRs is that they are built, they are equipped to take more punishment. So even though I've never been a fan of vacillating between different camera bodies and systems in your workflow, I think that's really annoying. Uh, this was sort of the phasing out and transitioning in process that I just happened to adopt for the time being. And I think it's working out for me. It's certainly leveraging everything I own as the true assets as they should be. So that is the spiel for today, folks. Good luck in your camera-seeking journey, everybody. Uh, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will see you guys next week. What's up, entrepreneurs? Thank you for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the content you just listened to, hit subscribe and tune in again next week. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Entrepreneurs Pod for updates, promos, and giveaway contests that we run throughout the year. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our really cool website, EntrepreneursPod.com. It's a great resource for you to download informational PDFs and booklets, access discount codes from our amazing affiliates, and read what our audience is up to on our community blog. For now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, supporting the show, and being a part of this journey. This is Michael Durr signing off for now, Entrepreneurs Season 2. Let's go. This episode of Entrepreneurs was brought to you by Bay Photo Lab. First time orders receive 25% off on any professional photo printing product or service. Yes, I said 25%. Just go to bayphoto.com to browse the amazing selection of gifts, prints, and displays. That's bayphoto.com once again. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.